Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. I've been asked to share this morning on families and missions and, uh, uh, and bringing up kids, etc., etc. So it's a lot to say in a small book, in a small part of time. So I've just com- comprised this message that goes a little bit like this. Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, involves the raising of a family of functional young adults able to influence their generation. You may select team members for your journey, preferably your wife. And as always, if any members of your team be caught or found dysfunctional or disobedient, God will assist you and never forsake you for their actions. This message is eternal and will never self-destruct. <clears throat> mission impossible or mission possible? I think it's a slide up here of Mount Everest. Until uh, about 1950s, that was considered impossible. But somehow or other, men overcame. But you don't do it by yourself. And the next slide talks about how to be a subby with God. I want to share with you how to actually get on the same team and bring about God's purpose for your marriage, for your family, for the future of your kids. Because God's for them. Who knows that? But some interesting scriptures. It says this. Psalm, a, a Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman pulls it down with her own hands. And... Matthew 7, 24 says, A wise man placed his house on the rock, but a foolish man built it on sand. However, Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. So is a psalm saying, Let's let God build a family? Let society bring him up? Or is he really saying to us, Let's subby for God? Let's get on board with God and bring up our children, our families, the way He designed it, and see what takes place. Listen to this. Obviously, God wants us to bring children up His way. I know that God loves your children more than you do, but He won't compromise His ways to suit world standards. Most children have been brought up by exposure to the media culture, which gives our children's values of Hollywood, listen to this. By 16 years of age, your children have been exposed to 11,000 hours of television. I'll say it again, television. 11,000 hours of television. Not including the movie theaters or including the four hours of social media a day. These amoral values are molding our children and society are working themselves like an underground hidden fault line manifesting itself in the devastating domestic violence, the, devil, the demolition of traditional families, and the destruction of the unborn babies. 
That's what the social media is doing to us. And parents, the, the answer is in our hand. The Word of God. I hope to encourage you this morning to be able to do that. And if you're a parent who's struggling in those areas, today I'm going to show you at the end of this just how simple it is to turn it around. And I don't want anyone to feel condemned, to feel guilty about what may have taken place or has taken place in your family in the past. But as of today, you can grab hold of God's Word and begin to run with it in a very powerful way. It isn't a mission impossible. It's a mission possible because God is for you and not against you. Amen? So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This part, this book, was written by a man called Paul. And he began to talk about working with God and how to do your whole life with God. But today I just want to focus in like a laser beam on our marriage and our family particularly. How to just focus in and some of the things to do that actually brings us about. But listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 9, he says, For we are God's fellow workers. In other words, we're working with God. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, or as a wise subby, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. This is the responsibility you have. Take heed how you're going to build for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on, Endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. Paul begins to present to us some building materials. He talks about gold, talks about silver, talks about precious stones, talks about wood, hay, and stubble. And he says all these things will be revealed as with fire. Now, I know one thing about fire. You put some straw beside it. You put some hay there, put some wood, it's just going to burn. But if you put gold, it purifies it. If you put heat towards silver, it refines it. If you put heat against a precious stone, guess what happens? The color becomes stronger. So, so heat into the things that are built for permanency actually improves the situation. And God is saying to us, let God breathe upon all the things you're building with your children in your marriage, even in your business, whatever you're doing, into our society, in this church, let God's word breathe upon it and you will see what comes out. The things that haven't got life will get destroyed. But the things that are of God that you're actually implementing to your children's life into your marriage will actually get stronger and better. Who can say Amen. And Paul is saying, come on, be a worker with God because God wants to bring about His purposes and see your business life, your marriage, your health, your children actually receive the end results that God wants them to have. He doesn't want to back anyone to fail. He wants to back everyone to be very successful. And if you embrace His word, embrace His ways, you'll see it happening. We can do it. We can do it. My wife and I are a testimony of that because we tried it without God. 
And then we began to let God do it, and we saw marriage and our family work out. The book's about that. Gold. The Bible says that the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord is precious gold, more to be desired than precious gold. Do you know this whole Old Testament, especially the first five books, it's called the Pentateuch. It's not about laws. God wrote it to show mankind the best pattern to follow to have the best life. It wasn't about laws if you're going to destroy if you don't do it. He says, you do these things, you will end up with the best results possible in life. That's what the first five books are about. A pattern of a lifestyle that brings about good results. I found that. I'm sure many in this room have found the same thing to happen. And so the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord is precious gold. It's going to remain. It's treasure. It's brilliant. And then it says about silver. Silver says the word of God is like silver refined seven times. So the words you use to each other, your words are going to wound somebody or they're going to wash somebody. God says use your words. Refine your words from God's word, and you'll actually get a washing coming from your words. Because the way we talk to each other brings about relationships or brings about tension. And God says, get your words. Let it be refined. Think through what you're going to say to someone seven times before you say it. Now, my wife said to me, if I do that, she won't have anything to say. <laughs> but reality is, if I refine what I'm thinking about, how I'm going to say it, you'll find me less tension in relationships. There'll be far less tension between you and your, and your teenage kids because you're actually bringing about God's purposes and you're going to pull the best out of them rather than bring a wound into their spirit. Too many people have been hurt by words. God never spoke a word that hurt anybody. And God wants to refine our words His way so we can bring out the washing of the word, not the wounding of the word. Tonight I'm sharing the subject called Living Safe in an Unsafe World. Empower young people how to live through and navigate this world. Parents, come and find out about it too because it's going to be very empowering for young people, anyone who wants to know how to live it safely in a very unsafe world. Precious stone. Precious stone. The Bible says the, the high priest would wear this, this breastplate, would have 12 precious stones on it. And the stones refer to each tribe. It's actually carrying people on your heart. Parents, God gave you such a connection to your children that you would love them. That's just very natural to love your children. And matter of fact, children automatically love their parents. Back in the 1960s, when society was a lot easier, the most influential person in a child's life was the parent, 1960s. The second most influential person in a child's life were actually their relatives and their pastors. And the way it goes right down, and their friends came about 10th. In the 21st century, who's the most influential person in a child's life? Number one is the parents still. Reality is there's a connection emotionally that God brings about that parents have the front foot to be able to bring influence to their child's life. Know it and harvest it. Because they push back at us, parents, often we actually retaliate rather than realize that they want us to love them. They want to be in our world, and they're not rejecting us, but we often, by our actions, appear to be rejecting them. 
God wants us to realize that we have the precious stone in our hearts. Over our hearts, we carry them. We carry them in prayer. We carry them with care. We carry them into the place that God wants them to be. Proverbs 24, verses 34 says this. Through wisdom a house is built, and by knowledge and understanding, every room is filled with precious and pleasant riches. But a quick build will burn like wood, hay, and stubble. Um, I've been on a few work sites in my place. I've built a few buildings on our school premises and our church. And it's always interesting how subbies talk about the previous subby who was on that site. You know, the guy who, who bleep, 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 put that thing there. And the bleep, bleep, bleep who did this and the bleep, bleep. It's interesting how the subbies actually tend to actually communicate about the previous guy who was there. Do you ever experience this? But if you get on the same blueprint, if you get on the same blueprint and you actually say, no, this is where we're going, my path's to do that and my path's to do this and we follow the blueprint, Guess what the end result is? The building you wanted. Who can say amen? And God's saying the same with the Word of God. Here's the blueprint. Let's get on here. And we can actually get the end result God wants us to have. That's why we call the book Design a Family, Design a Child, Design a Marriage. Because if you build upon the blueprint God has set about, you'll actually find you're building things in the right position and you're not going to get... One bloke saying your wall's in the wrong place, the tap's in the wrong place, or the switch's in the wrong place, the ceiling's in the wrong, whatever. We're going to find ourselves getting the end result we want by wisdom and understanding. And it comes back to one of the first parables that Jesus talked about was the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. Parents, business owners, we're all sowing. And there's a parable, he says, there's a sower we're now to sow. And this parable of the sower is that we're sowing the Word of God. But parents, how do you use this Word of God in the direction to get the outcome in your marriage, at the outcome in your family, with your kids, or with your, with your workplace? As pastors, we sow the Word of God to get the outcomes we want to see in our city. And your pastors are doing a brilliant job. But the reality is, it's on purpose. And he said, the first one, in the parable of the soul, this says, went out and the seed fell on the wayside, the hard ground. You know, sometimes, parents, we can actually get God's word and we can dispose of it. Because parents, we become hypocritical with it. We've heard about it, but we don't practice it. And the kids can say, how come um, you're saying that, but you're practicing that? We can actually be seeing ourselves not doing what you're telling the kid to do. The dad who picked up a cigarette while he tells his son never to pick up drugs. It's hypocritical. The seed falls on hard ground. But when a child sees mum and dad practice what they're saying, it's a different matter. I often tell parents, because I've been a dental surgeon, encouraging parents how to get their children to brush their teeth. He says, let the child see you brush your teeth. The child have no problem brushing their teeth. Because if the adult's doing it, the child will do it. If the adult doesn't do it, children don't want to do that. The reason kids wear clothes because I see you wearing clothes. Simple as that. Kids brush their teeth because they see you brush their teeth. But if you're taking drugs, guess what? They'll take drugs. Don't say something to them that you're not doing yourself. Unless it's going to land on hard ground and we'll be, we'll be seen by our children as being hypocritical 
Next one, it says that they, they sowed seed on rocky ground. We can actually start joyfully in this journey. We can get to church and we can have this joyous time at church. But as soon as we walk outside, uh, we have a, a soft duration. We can find ourselves worrying about, we've got someone not well. We've got someone, a nurse in the place. There's a nurse, just one nurse, just one person, please. But if we see ourselves sowing on stony ground where it's a short duration, parents can jump in church and have a good time. They love the music and they get home and they're all grump again. What does it say to the child? What's it say to our children when we're actually being different to them because we're actually not fulfilling the 24-hour living our faith every day of our life? And it's important we live our faith every day of our life because the children will be seeing what's happening. But if you're only a Christian on Sunday... Don't expect a child to be a Christian when they're not at church. The reality is they see what we're doing. And we are sowing seeds by how we act and by what we say. And this is causing people's, uh, children's responses in a negative way, hopefully, but in a positive way. Then it said they saw, they saw, the parable of the sower said they sowed seed on thorny ground. When there's a cares of the world come in, how often parents do we actually voice the, the, the struggles we're having in our life. We actually not speak in a faith statement to our children because there's cares in the world are happening all the time. But God says, come on, I'm for you, not against you. But so often our children can live under the words we say and they pick up fear rather than faith. But as parents, our responsibility is to demonstrate that our God is for us and not against us. And we're going to stand in a place of faith. And our, and our life is not a short duration faith. Our faith is there, and it's not going to be sown on things that only, only for a short time. It's going to be there all the time. Cares of the world come along and actually rob us of the things that we want to see involved in church life. For example, Sunday, worship. Sunday, sport. I know there's three guys today that are going to go to a marathon. But guess what? They're going to be in church tonight. They're not going to let the world rob them of their faith they can live in the world, but not be part of it. They can live in the world and say, yeah, but I'm still going to be in church and say, no, my kids are going to know I'm still in church. We had our children all played sport. We loved them playing sport. But if they had a game on Sunday, friend and I would say, and which service you attend, the morning one or the night one? And they'd always make the statement. Because we said, yes, we do that, but never instead of our fellowship with the Lord. It's how we sow our seeds the children pick up the strength that is in this amazing gift that God has given us of the kingdom of God, of faith. It's not a mission impossible if we actually aim at doing it God's way. You see, when I sow the seeds, I'm doing it on purpose. Because the parable goes out to say this, but he who sowed the seed on good soil was he who understood what the word was. See, parents, when we realize that we need to bring an understanding to our children, they're going to look at what we're doing with the words. They're going to look at what we're doing with our actions, and they're going to say, why are you doing that? Why do you clap in church, Dad? Why do you praise God, but at home you swear? They're going to be asking these questions. But when they have an understanding of what we're doing, they go, ah. And Jesus says, and you brings that 30, 60, and 100-fold return. So the question to us all is, am I sowing for an end result? Am I sowing to bring understanding to my child? They'll pick up the words of God. 
They'll pick up the actions of God. Why do we come on Sundays? Why do we give to the house of God? Why do we praise God? Why do we subby for God and with God to see the end result that God wants us to have? Everyone can do it because God's going to back you. But I found this about God. God won't do it your way, but he will do it with you if you do it his way. That's where the strength of purpose that God's got for us. But there's also an enemy. Who knows we've got an enemy in life? So come with me to Matthew chapter 13. And see a scripture here where there's an enemy comes and sows seeds. And this is where parents, uh, part of our responsibility still comes to us to be able to strengthen our children. Matthew chapter 13, reading for verse 24, says this. Another parable Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. But when the, but when the, when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to them, Sir, did you not sow good seed into your field? How then does it have tares? And the owner said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, let's while they gather them up, the tares, you will also uproot the wheat with them. Your children are exposed every day of your life to the social media world, to the TV, to schools, to their friends. And the friends are pouring in different ideas. For example, we heard today, this lady thought we're going to have no genders. We're going to be part machine. We're going to turn into alien short. We're revolving. These thoughts have been spewed out there. The transgender world, all those things that people are struggling with, which I have no problems with. But reality is I have a problem with parents not having an answer to their children. You see, these are the seeds that the enemy's coming out. They're bringing confusion to our young people. And they're sitting back in this unsafe place unless we make a safe place for them. Our responsibility is to say, God, what's your answer to this? And we come about with God's answer to walk them through this. So I expect my children to have seeds put in their heart from the enemy that I'm called to actually go and talk to them about. You see, the Bible says, watch and pray. Watch and pray what's happening in a children's life. Now, parents, if we've all had teenage kids, who remembers the first time the child slammed the door on you when you were about to walk in the bathroom, which once upon a time was always open, and all of a sudden the door slammed. You go, oh no, my child's hating me. No, we understand that. We're watching and praying. I expect that. I expect those things to happen. So when, when a child changes behavior, is it age appropriate? What's caused that? I'm asking myself these questions because I'm expecting, is it a seed that's wrong or is it just normal behavior that's taking place? I remember my daughter, my daughter who's just still perfect. She was perfect when she was born. She's just the perfect one, you know. But one day, one day, one day I saw her doing something that she'd never done before. She was about 13, 14. And she just would get getting on to seeing these the afternoon TV uh, soapies. I think it was East Street or something. I don't know. And, uh, okay, she was old enough to want to see that. And then she started getting these posters of the, the, the TV stars and putting it up on her, on her room around the room. I didn't mind that much. You know, some of these guys were looking okay, but I used to be better than them once. I just took that. Anyhow, so you know, you're comparing yourself with the, the, the young guys that she was looking at. But, but then she started getting short. She was starting to get a little bit withdrawn from us. And I said, oh, it's, things aren't going that good because 
even though she was coming that teenage year and I didn't want to stop her, just embracing them, we'd talk about the TV programs and made sure they were appropriate, not inappropriate. We went through these things, but things weren't going as good as I thought they were. And I said, you know, the enemy's obviously wanting to do something. And, you know, you, you bring up the conversation, and friend and I had a great relationship with all our kids like that. But things weren't going good. She was getting short. She was, she was getting abrupt with us and slamming doors when she shouldn't be slamming doors. And I said, I've got to go and find out what's going on. So she was at school one day, so I decided to go into a bedroom. Now, parents, you're allowed to go in your children's bedroom. It's okay. They're under your covering. You're protecting them until they're 18. They're your responsibility. God expects you to keep an eye to watch and pray. So I'm watching and praying, and I said, friend, there's something happening. So I was praying through the room and saying, God, what's going on? There were a few of the posters. They weren't rude posters, good-looking guys up there. So I started hunting, and I began to went under her ensemble, between her mattress and her and the ensemble. I opened it up, and there was all these Dolly magazines she had hidden in there. And these Dolly magazines were talking about, age-appropriately, were talking about sexual activity, which was... <laughs> nothing to do with young people it was all about stuff that was wrong and it'd been highlighted and one of her friends had given her these magazines and showed all these things that was happening and i realized that she'd been exposed to the enemy's camp i've been to seeds that i hadn't seen hidden they were hidden from us the enemy had planted them there when we were asleep when we weren't there you know parents and your children go on to someone else's house and expose the videos or games that you don't know about. Seeds are getting in their life, and you wonder what's happened to the child, because what happens is that the world comes along and bombards them. When you give your child a smartphone, you're exposing them to the most dangerous, it's not the smartest thing in the world, by the way, I'm sorry, it's the most dangerous thing you do to your child, is give your young child a smartphone without monitoring how to protect them from the poison that's there. Because the enemy's going to use those downloads, Downloads into young boys' minds, young girls' minds, the pictures that are sent, the texting, the sexting, all those things that are taking place there, trying to put into your children at an inappropriate age things they're not mentally or emotionally able to carry into their future because it brings the damage. And you wonder why there's a separation between you and the child when they've been unloaded by the enemy, putting tears into this mind that you had prepared and protected and saw because the enemy... Once they get it, when you're not there, and destroy it. And so when Sarah came home that afternoon, she came normally and, and greeted us at home, and we, um, we sat down for a cup of tea, and I said, oh, daughter, can I talk to you? I said, yes, Dad. And uh, do you know what's going to happen? <laughs> I said, have a good day, darling? She said, yes, Daddy. Have you going good? Yes, Dad. She said, what are these magazines? And I put them on the table in front of her. Well, my daughter's got a beautiful olive skin, but it turned white. <laughs> and uh, because you've been found out. And she says, darling, we'll have to talk about this. We didn't make a big hullabaloo about it. Uh, we just told her how inappropriate it was. Uh, we just said, what should we do? She repented there. I said, sweetie, in seven days' time, I want you to remove all the placards, all the posters from your room. Not straight away. You take seven days, just get through the system, this has not impacted your life correctly. You're now walking in a path that's not that is contrary to God's word and, and to us. Well, she kept those posters up for six days, 23 hours, and 59 minutes. <laughs> she did. And she pulled them down. It's our responsibility is to immunize our children to the world. The mistake that 
the king did to Sleeping Beauty. The king heard, who knows the parable, the old beautiful story of Sleeping Beauty when, when the witch came and put a curse over her that she's going to be pricked with a needle, she's going to die. And so what does a good dad do? I'll make sure my daughter doesn't get exposed to needle pricks. I'll remove all the sewing needles out of the world. Sewing needles? Spinning needles out of the world. So he was a king. The king could take everything out. Parents, we don't incarcerate our kids from the world. The king could have taught his daughter what part of the spinning needle not to touch. And she wouldn't have had to get pricked. But he thought he'd removed all the stuff out, but left one in his own house. Upstairs, where the evil witch was up there, sewing the tear. And she went up there and said, what is that? Never seen it before. Got pricked. And the story goes, she fell asleep for 100 years. But if dad and mom had empowered them in the journey, we could empower them how to use a smartphone when it's not smart and when it is smart. We could empower them how to be age appropriate, how to speak to the opposite gender. Give them answers. I think this course you're doing, Pastor Shane, is brilliant about empowering you about apologetics because you've got a generation that needs to know the answer. The city out there is going down the gurgler. We want to be ready here, young people, to go and tell your friends, ah, stupid. Tell you the truth. But if you don't know the answers, if you don't know how to answer it, you're going to come back, shrink away, and feel a fool. And too often in that foolish part, you feel ashamed and you get caught up in the same system. But when we're empowering our children about how to think and not what to think. This world thinks that that's the way the world's going to go, this, this lady. We're going to be aliens. I hope I'm dead, she said. I don't blame her for wanting to be dead rather than being an alien. But reality is we didn't have to think that way. We teach, oh, this is how we've got to think. When we empower, empower our children, we'll get the desired results that we want to have. It doesn't happen by doing nothing. But it happens because we are on purposely going out there and strengthening, supporting our child, being in their world, watching and praying, standing with them. It's not about the correction part. It's about the relationship part. The way you bring a correction to your child builds relationship or builds resentment. Our responsibility is to build a relationship. And when we bring our children on board, we bring them into our world, we let them navigate, which I'm talking about tonight, navigate the tensions that are there during the teenage hormonal years and the young adult years. We navigate that so it's a safe place, not an unsafe place. They'll run with the winners, not with the world that's going down the gurgler. Come with me to this last scripture, Proverbs 20, uh, no, Psalm 127. This is one of the, the uh, rewards my wife and I have experienced by bringing up our children according to God's word. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house... We're going to suffer with him. The laborers labor in vain who builds it. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. 
It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. So he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man and woman who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with their enemies in the gate. The reward of bringing up your children is that they can speak with the enemies of their soul at the gateways to their life. Empowerment of your young people to be strong when they're out of your authority, when they're walking out in the world, when they're out there working, when they're out there socially, they can speak to their enemies at the gate. They speak, I'm not there. When they left home, I wasn't there anymore. But the values of the Word of God we placed inside them were there, empowering them to speak to the enemies at the gate. I know what Daddy would say, but I know what I want to say because we actually have empowered them with God's Word. We've actually empowered them to be able to talk when the, the world comes with the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And they'll say, no, I've got a better way of living. We had the honor of having five of our children go through university and my wife and I never, ever lost a night's sleep, ever, of worrying about our kids. You know why? Because we believed in empowering them or what to do when the enemies come to their gates. And we never lost a night's sleep. And it's wonderful. I remember my poor mother. Every time I was out, her bedroom light was on. I get home at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and mum was there waiting for the car to drive in, and only when the car came in did she go to, like, go to sleep. Poor lady. She almost had two hours sleep most nights. Because they were worried. They aren't empowering their children how to talk to the enemies at the gate. But once you've actually prepared your child, that's what they're there and you're care for, is to be able to empower them how to talk to their enemies at the gate. It doesn't happen by the teachers. It doesn't happen by the social media telling them. It happens because you grab the Word of God and you place it into the hearts with understanding. Teach them what God says. Teach them why we do the things we do. We behave like this because this is the fruit that God brings out. I worship God like I do. I come to church on Sundays. I bring my tithes and offerings because I know I can trust my God and He's going to be there with me. I know how I honor my wife and why this brings about the relationship we have. The children understand that and they love it and they'll stand strong in the midst of the world. They'll push back at it and say, no, I can speak to my enemies at the gate. They will enjoy the fruit that you want them to have. I hope no one goes through the struggle my wife and I had in our first, in our first few years of marriage. We were already heading for divorce. I was a horrible father until I picked up God's word and began to implement it into my life. He says, God, I'll be a subby with you. I'll build my marriage your way. I'll build my family your way. And I'm married to the same girl, and she's given me five kids. We release ourselves to doing it God's way. Parents, let me tell you this. The key to, if you, if you found the struggle, and you'll be sitting here, so my kids are too late, this will happen. Things are going wrong at home. Let me tell you how to turn it around. I've seen many parents turn it around for themselves. First, no combination for them those in Christ Jesus. If some have flown the coop and it's too late, just hand them over to God. God loves them more than you do. Don't get caught up in their world. Don't go worrying about it. Trust God. But the ones that are in your care, 
ones in your care that you may be struggling with, firstly, give yourself at least seven days to bring change. And this is what you do. Get yourself on board with your spouse of the values you want to implement in your house. Get yourself on board. Make sure you and your spouse are in agreement. If you're not sure if you've done enough or your right, right agreements there, go and share with your pastors about, are these things scriptural? Are we supposed to be doing this? Make sure you've got on board the things that you need to do, the values you put upon, upon uh, social media, uh, about drugs in the house, alcohol, all those things you need to know about, implement, have your family and having a future. Make sure you're in agreement with your spouse first. Check it out with the Word of God. Check it with your pastors. Then once you've actually got that agreement, then you put on the best party you've ever had for your children. Invite them to have dinner, to sit down with you and say, I've got something to tell you all. And you're going to say, guess what? In seven days' time, things are going to happen here. First, I want to say, I'm sorry, I could have done things better, but now we're coming to do things God's way. And here are the new values the house is going to have. This is how we're going to be in bed. This is where the screens are going to be, the social, all those things that you want to have. These are what's going to happen. Now, this is what you expect. As soon as you give them that, they read that, they'll all rise up. They'll swear at you. They'll call you dinosaurs. They'll call you everything that's, that you've never heard of before and expect it. I call it expected behavior. It's not acceptable. You call it expected behavior. They'll say, no one else has to do this. Why are you so bad to us? You hate us. And you'll feel, my gosh, I failed. No, you haven't failed. That's normal. That's the way the enemy reacts. But if you give them seven days' notice... All written down and say, so you can talk about it, we can negotiate if you have to, but in seven days' time, these are what's going to happen. Keys to the house, the time the lights go out, all those things that you need to bring back into order, give them seven days to approve and then appropriate, and then you stick with your guns, God will back you. And you see children turn around so quickly. A friend and I have had conversations and parents bring back after after four days or five days, says, you know what, Pastor Chas, <laughs> you said it was going to be seven days. It was only four days. That was, that's the most common thing I hear. It's not the seven days needed. It's only about four days. Kids want to know where the boundaries are. See, kids want to know where the boundaries are. When I present the boundaries, and I'm consistent, that I'm not going to be a rockin', I'm not going to be a hypocrite. When I'm consistent in those boundaries, the kids will say, it's safe. They want to be safe. They want to be safe. Finally, Jesus said this. You build your house on the rock. So when the winds come, see the winds are the, are the doctrines, the changing things that take place. Winds are, are the boundaries that want to actually challenge your soul. The winds are going to come at a stage and put pressure against, are you going to stand by that boundary? Are you going to live by that boundary that you can't drink, smoke, or whatever in the house? until you're 18, all those things that you're going to put there. You're going to, the winds are going to come and push you. He says, no, I'm going to stand here strong. And then the foundations. He says, when, when the floods come, when the flood comes and challenges the foundations of Christ, those floods are going to come. There's going to be things going out there that evolution's trying to say to us about the foundations of your values. What do you mean? We're animals. You know, we're going to be aliens. What's this all about? Be, being gender appropriate. I mean, all the things they're trying to say, these values are going to be challenged. The floods are going to come against your about your foundations. And then the roof, he says, and then when the rain comes, it's going to come into your covering, your prayer covering over your children. 
they're going to come. All they're going to come. Jesus says, you've just built on the rock when the floods come against your values, when the changing tides of culture come against your, your boundaries, and when the, the storm of, of spiritual forces that want to come and rain upon your family. So you stand strong. The floods and the storms and the rain will pass and you'll be standing. Those kids will challenge you. They'll push against you, but the building will last. But if you've moved off that rock, if you've moved away from that rock, you won't know what's going to take you. It takes us to a place of destruction. Every eye closed and every head bowed this night. Father, we, uh, we know your word is true. and It's a sobering message being a subby with God. And I know though, the winds of coming, there'll be people in this room today. I know the floods have challenged our foundation. You know, this whole Christian world, should we be so strong in our belief in the word of God? I know the spiritual forces that flow that try to rob us. But today, God, your spirit is encouraging us to be strong in you. To know that with God, that we can have that family unit we want. We can have that marriage that's so rewarding. We can have a family unit that celebrates values that are eternal. They're going to live forever. And so this morning, Lord, as I mentioned and shared this word, I pray, I pray that we realize it's not a mission impossible, but it's a mission possible with you. That's not impossible to have a great marriage and a great family. It's not impossible to be a single mom and have a great family. It's not impossible to be a single dad and have a great family. You just got to do it your way. Not impossible to go through a crisis right now and turn around and see the fruit because you're with us. But God, I know what's possible is that if we do it your way, you're going to back us, you're going to strengthen us, and you're going to see it encouraging. So God, today as we've shared this word, I pray that the seeds of this word are really landing in good soil of understanding. They'll take good, forth good root and produce a great crop. Just say this prayer with me, church, as we just link this, this message into our hearts. Say, Father God, your word is true. It's never a lie. I embrace the word today. Empower me by your Holy Spirit. I want to have that family. I want to have that marriage that your word promises. Thank you now for the marriage and your word and the family that you promise. I receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever your head's bowed and your eyes closed, I don't know most of you. One thing I do know is that God loves you. I know that God loves your children more than you do. I know God loves all the struggles that you, He knows all the struggles you've been through and going through right now, and He wants to provide an answer. I know one thing that God doesn't want to see anyone be robbed by the enemy. But it all starts with lining up with Him. This all starts with a simple prayer of saying, Christ, I want you to be my God, my Lord. And then it starts. The whole journey begins to start and things come into place and the kingdom of God begins to empower you, get around you and begins to bring about the very fruit you want to have. So this morning, if you're here today and you haven't started this walk with God, or if you had and you've walked away and Today, you want to come back to that. Just a simple prayer 
If you just wave to me and say, that's me, I want to start this walk with God or come back to God today. I just want to see your hand today. Let me see your hand. I'd love to pray with you and just encourage you to go back into that path. Because when you see God on board His way, you'll see these things come into place. So if you're here today and you want to start that walk, or you want to recommit and say, I want to go back to that place. Can I see your hand? Thank you. Anyone else will say, that's me today. I, I want to be, again, connected back to God. I've, I was being with God, but, I've, but I, you know what? I've got weak. I've got slack. And I've seen myself begin to suffer. Is anyone else today would say, that's me? Can I just see your hand? Just wave your hand to me. And I'd just like to acknowledge that. So the hand back there, sir. Anyone else would say, that's me. Today, just to recognize that it's God's way. And I want to do it God's way. I'm going to get the seeds into good ground. See, the seeds get into good ground. Is anyone else will say, that's me? It's asking last time over here to your right. Over here in the middle. Anyone else would say, that's me? Anyone else would say, this is wave to me. So see, but two hands are ready. Say, that's me. Can I see your hand? They're on our left. Anyone else would say, that's me? That's great. Let's just say this prayer together as we seal what Christ has done in our lives. It says, Father God, thank you for Jesus dying for me. Today I recognize that my sins are taken away or my failures are forgotten. And now I can start a new life with you as Lord and your word as my direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together. Those two people raised their hand this morning, eh? And appreciate them. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Pastor Shane, this is what I normally hand over to you, and then I then we'll come back and pray. And, um, and as soon as Pastor Shane dismisses this part of the service, uh, please feel free to go and get your children. And friend, I'd love to come and pray with anyone who wants prayer. If God gives us a prophetic word, we'll have a prophetic word into your children's life, uh, into a marriage, whatever. But we love to go and impart just laying on our hands and let God's Spirit do it because it's what God does. It's not about what I do, but God does. It's most important. So we're going to be here as long as people come, but you can go out there and celebrate and have a party. And, uh, if you, if you, but if everybody's gone and you come back too late, if I'm not here, sorry. But anyhow, the resources are back if you want them. But hey, it's been an honor to share with you, and I pray you got something out of it. Amen?